Johnny! Yes! <laughs> what are you eating? Are you eating something? What are you eating? Potato chips. Oh, nice. What kind of potato chips? Uh, I want to know now. Store this brand is... Ruffles. Oh, okay. I like Ruffles. Ruffles are good. Ruffles have ridges. Yes. If you're like me, then you're no doubt a big fan of the podcast, The Pope on Film. I mean, who is it? But only real fans, true hardcore fans that have been with us since episode one would know two things about us. Two fundamental truths, fundamental and in no way made up on the spot, facts about the two of us, America's hottest will-they-or-won't-they couple, Bunny and Steve. First and foremost, the first fact, which is about you, Bunny, is the fact that you write self-help books for children. Yes. And you're very successful at it. So, Bunny, tell us, what are some of the titles of the self-help kids' books you've written? Uh, Daddy Has Two Dealers was the biggest seller so far. Um, of course, you can get that at any Barnes and Noble. Yeah, which any is Noble, just that, Bunny has two dealers. Yeah, which is why Daddy seems to know as much about Call of Duty as he does, since he never mm-hmm. plays it at home. You know. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's a it's a rather touching story. Daddy has two dealers, um, and then there's. Sharika found a kitten, which is okay. really a cute story. Uh, well, basically, what she had found was a skunk oh, that she gotcha. thinks is a kitten. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's really about trying to deal with who you really are. Yeah. You know? Very empowering As opposed stuff. to how you're perceived. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so that's you're, you're, you're such a poet, kitten. Yeah, yeah, you're such a poet, bunny. Yes, and and the second thing that you would know about me is that I'm a lover of history. I love it, but I'm also a storyteller. So this is what I like to do. I like to get a story from the history books, maybe one that people don't know too well, and reword it via my own unique storytelling style. That is what this is. Another educationally uneducational installment of Steve's Historic Approximations! Dun, 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 dun. Shaft, as I like to call it, repeatedly, annoyingly, whether anyone wants me to or not. Now, personally, I like the name Shaft. It's short, but it's feisty, like my nine-year-old son. It's the Maxwell of podcast segments. Anywho, this week we will be discussing the odd connection between Ed Wood's magnum opus film, Plan 9 from Outer Space, and the Vice Presidency of the United States of America. Okay. Direct line between Edwards Plan 9 and the office of the vice presidency, and I find this fascinating. You see, this podcast is run by two uh, very important people in in the world of Ed Wood. I am yes. the founder of Church of Ed Wood, and then uh, also uh, the most important part of the podcast a legally canonized saint of the Church of Ed Wood. Yes. So the both of us 
you know, we know our way around the names and faces, uh, the characters, the people who appeared in Ed Wood's films. We know our Ed Wood. The Wood spooks as they yes. were dubbed in author Rudolph Gray's biography of Ed Wood entitled Nightmare of Ecstasy. The Wood Spooks was the name given for all of the people within Ed Wood's theater, uh, the Ed Wood players. The Woodosphere. Yeah. And there's a lot of uh, uh, crazy, crazy characters in there, and we know them pretty well. There's the soothing radio voice and hilarious last name of actor Dudley Manlove. Yes, yes, indeed. If he ever went to porn, he wouldn't have to change his name, <laughs> which is good. Speaking of what porn, exactly there's also... What is the origin of that name? That's what I think Dudley I needs to answer for. It's Scandinavian. Yeah. I think it's Scandinavian. Yeah. Then there's also actor Kenny Duncan, who was grossly nicknamed Horsecock. Yes. Then there's the TV hostess who not only stole James Dean's heart, but also had her entire persona stolen by someone from the 80s, Vampira, Mistress of the Night. Yes. The Wood Spooks were indeed an eclectic group of people, and any one of them could be the subject of their own chap. Fun fact! Cinematographer of choice for Edward, Mr. William C. Thompson, was the cameraman not only for most of Ed Wood's uh, most important films, but for over 60 films in his career, including the MST3K women wrestling film Racket Girls and yes. the Notorious. He was the cinematographer for the notorious 1934 Dwayne Esper film Maniac. Nice. Also known as Sex Maniac. He was the cinematographer for that. That's amazing. Also, William C. Thompson was colorblind and had only one working eye. So nice. the fact that he was cinematographer like oh you get you get you get an extra helping of, of of applesauce there's a lot of crazy backstories this is what i'm trying to get just, at here just um, like the deaf leopard drummer yeah the drummer from deaf leopard only has one arm and uh there's there's a lot of crazy stories behind uh edward's stable of players and this week we will be indirectly focusing on one person in particular a man named John Breckenridge, most commonly referred to as Bunny. Bunny yes. Breckenridge had a very crazy life. He was openly gay at a time when that was pretty much unheard of. And yet, while working as a drag queen in Paris, he married the daughter of a French count, was married for over two years, and they had a daughter together. Oh, nice. Okay. Very, very surprising. Uh, uh, Bunny Breckenridge had a very long and crazy life, and in the movie, Edward, he, he is played wonderfully by Bill Murray, but in the film, Ed Wood, 
Uh, Bonnie Breckenridge is seen as Ed's BFF and right-hand man, when in reality that wasn't the case. Uh, the reality of the story is a little bit more confusing. Bunny Breckenridge came from a very rich family, had a ton of money, but he lived a sort of vagabond life. And Bunny, who was independently wealthy, a wealthy socialite that regularly made the newspapers and was indeed a headliner in Paris in the 50s, he was living on B-movie actor Paul Marco's couch. Oh. That sounds as weird as as it is now uh, watching the movie True Romance and seeing Brad Pitt be a stoner on the couch. Yeah. You know? You see that and you go, oh, that's weird. And and so, yeah, Bunny Breckenridge was living on Paul Marco's couch at the time, which is weird because, again, independently wealthy, but he was just crashing on his couch. And when Ed started to work on Plan 9, Bunny was just given a part because, hey, you're here and, and you can, you want a part in my film? Bunny was born in Paris to a wealthy family from California. And fun fact... Not a lot of people know. Bunny was directly related to the youngest vice president in the history of the United States. <laughs> that is fascinating to me. Yes. Absolutely fascinating. The Ed Wood Plan 9 stuff was just the intro. The real focus of this week's Shap is uh, Bunny's great-grandfather, John Cabell Breckenridge, a lawyer, a soldier, a politician, our 14th president, so very important, a dirty freaking traitor. Really? Yeah, and that's the focus of this week's chef. Uh, the ruler of the aliens from Edwards Plan 9 was directly related to our youngest vice president, who was also a dirty traitor. Okay. A dirty, stinking American traitor. So here's the story of Bunny Breckenridge's great-grandfather. Vice President John C. Breckenridge. He was one out of six kids born in 1821 to a wealthy family in Kentucky. How wealthy? They totally had a ton of slaves. Wealthy is how wealthy the Breckenridge family was. So uh, six kids, five girls and one guy, and that was John Cabell Breckenridge. Super wealthy family. Uh... And the family had its roots in American history. John's mom was the granddaughter of John Witherspoon, who signed the freaking Declaration of Independence. <laughs> and John C. Breckenridge's cousin was Mary Todd. Really? The, the Mary Todd, yeah. Crazy, crazy powerful family. His father was a slave owner and a super important lawyer. 
So the family had a ton of money and a ton of land and a ton of slaves. And that's important for later in the story. So John followed in his father's footsteps and he studied law. And I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out the story of this chap and trying to see where it goes. And it led me to a very interesting place because I'm, I'm, I'm learning about John C. Breckenridge. And as it turns out, he studied law at Transylvania University. Okay. And this fact was odd. And, I, and I'm there going, wait. So he lived in Kentucky in the 1830s. Did he go to Transylvania and study vampire law? <laughs> is is this? It, it, I thought this was connected to Plan Nine from Outer Space. Now it's what we do in the shadows. Yes. Weird stuff. Weird stuff. But uh, no, apparently, uh, Transylvania University is a private college in Kentucky. And you wouldn't guess who who went to Transylvania University. The Tiger King. Ned Beatty. Ned Beatty. Ned Beatty who from is today's in this movie. Yes. Strange is that. What a small world. Everything is connected. But I haven't even told you the weirdest part. Ned Beatty went to Transylvania University on an acapella scholarship. <laughs> which I didn't even know was a fucking thing. You can get a you can get an acapella scholarship? What the hell? <laughs> but yeah, uh uh Ned Beatty had an acapella scholarship to Transylvania University in Kentucky and only stayed there for like a year or two. And then he dropped out and decided, eh, I'm good at acapella, apparently, but I'm going to go into acting. And then he became the Ned Beatty, who was in this week's movie. So he went to the same college that John C. Breckenridge did. Isn't that weird? Transylvania University. <laughs> Crazy. Now that I think about it, I would like to see Transylvania University, the movie prequel to Hotel Transylvania. And oh, yes. it's a college. And look, it's all of the monsters. Oh, there's uh, the mummy and he's walking to class. And oh, someone steps on his uh, ribbons. And now, oh, he's unraveling. I can see the entire movie of Transylvania University in my head. Yes. I can see the entire university. And, oh, uh, the swim team of Transylvania University wants the creature from the Black Lagoon to join their swim team. But all he wants to do is dance. Yes. The more I think about it, the more Transylvania University is a really good movie. What's the name of the football team? Oh, shit. Um, The Pitchforks. Nice. The pitchfork. The Transylvania the the TU pitchforks. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh I, I have the whole thing in my head. Whole thing in my head. The 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 invisible man hasn't been to any classes. Yes. Because he's invisible and get away with that. So he just never goes to class. He <laughs> hires like a ghost. He hires a ghost to just carry his books into class and everyone's like oh hi invisible man and he just never goes to class <laughs> oh i've got the whole thing 
I've got the whole movie. Okay, but that's beside the point. So John C. Breckenridge was a lawyer. He got married. He had six kids of his own. And then the Mexican-American War happened, which is the new term that I've given to myself when I have the shits. <laughs> I came up with this yesterday that, like, my stomach was hurting and I, and I, and, and I, I had diarrhea. And it's like, oh, that's the Mexican-American War. So I'm really excited about this term. So... John wanted to go and fight in the Mexican-American War. He was going to be a major, or he was going to be a general, or he was going to be a major general. Eventually, he made the major of the 3rd Kentucky Infantry. And he's like, okay, let's march. And then, like, a day later, the entire infantry gets hit with yellow fever, and John ended up seeing no combat. Like, at all. Yeah. But so then so then the Mexican-American War ends and apparently everyone who was in that war was just a hero. And so John C. Breckenridge came back and he was all heroic. Oh, John C. Breckenridge. He was a mate. He was the major in the he was a major in the Mexican-American War, weren't you, John? And he was like, yeah, basically. It's like, wow, you're a lawyer and you're a veteran. You fought in the war. Wow. And he was he became like a bit of a minor celebrity, so much so that when he came back, he campaigned for Democratic presidential nominee James K. Polk. And a lot of people, a lot of people in Kentucky were all, huh, I wasn't going to vote for that James K. Polk. But look, it's John C. Breckinridge, and he's campaigning for James K. Polk. Wow. I love that John C. Breckinridge. I guess I'll vote for James K. Polk. And so he so uh, uh, John C. Breckinridge was all like, hey, people are listening to me. I'm campaigning. This is exciting. Maybe uh, maybe politics is for me. So he gets elected to the Kentucky House of Representatives. It was the first time ever that Fayette County elected a Democrat. Then, in 1851, he was elected to the U.S. House of Representatives. So now he's Congressman Breckinridge. Thank you very much. Then, in 1856, at the Democratic National Convention, James Buchanan uh, seals the deal to be the the Democratic nominee for president. And for vice president, there's 11 different candidates and they're really having a hard time trying to pick which candidate they're going to be. And then as they're trying to figure out who should be vice president, a number of the candidates drop out. And one of the people who did drop out was our boy, John C. Breckenridge. He's like, you know what? I like being in politics. I like being a congressman. Maybe I can be a senator one day, but vice president, that's not for me. I'm out. And so he put his name out of the running. Uh, but he still won. Yeah. Even though he even though he said no to the vice presidency, he still won most of the votes. And, and he's all like, uh, thanks for the nomination. But I said, no, I don't yeah. want to be vice president. And the convention was all no one can refuse when the nation calls for help. So he's all like, fuck, I guess I'm going to be vice president now. So so it was uh, James Buchanan 
as President Buchanan and his vice president, John C. Breckinridge, who was only 39 years old when he became vice president. We had a 30 year old vice president. I did not know that. Uh, hold on a second, Bunny. Okay. Okay. Hello. Hello, honey. Uh, no, I'm in the middle of Steve's historic approximations. Yes, you are historic. Okay. Okay. Right. Love you too. Bye. That was a wrong number, guys. Yeah. Just tell everybody that I love them. So, so John C. Breckinridge became vice president. He was our youngest ever vice president. We had a vice president who was in the thirty in his thirties, and that's very surprising because so many uh, of our major elected officials are all just freaking old. But you might not know the name of Vice President Breckinridge because he was vice president under James Buchanan, who was a lame duck president. Not once in his one term did he ever mention slavery. Yeah. And like slavery was the issue at the time because this was right before the Civil War. And everyone's like, should we have slaves? Should we not have slaves? Let's fight about that. And James Buchanan is... Or we could talk about flowers instead. Because, like, he just didn't want to mention it. He's like, if I don't mention it, then it didn't happen. He basically took the same, President James Buchanan took the same approach to slavery that Vince McMahon is taking with the coronavirus. Yeah. So he never mentioned slavery. Slavery, what's that? And when the southern states were all, we might secede and form our own nation, Buchanan eventually basically just said, look, you gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> if you're gonna do it, whatever. So Buchanan didn't start the Civil War, but he sure as shit didn't do anything to stop it. Yeah. And, and Buchanan sucked so bad as president that, boom, up next, Abraham Lincoln. So, so basically, uh, uh, Buchanan was just Lincoln's opening act. Yes. Yeah. Anywho, Vice President Breckinridge was, a, was a, he, he, he stopped being the vice president. He was then elected as a U.S. senator following his uneventful vice president run by the time our boy became a senator seven states had already seceded for his part john c breckinridge did at the time urge for peace and his state kentucky remained uh, neutral but eventually uh, the Confederate forces invaded Kentucky, and so, of course, the uh, Union forces also invaded Kentucky. And so both the North and the South are fighting in Kentucky, and the Confederates started beating the Union, and they started arresting every pro-Union politician they could get their hands on. Hey, you're a Democrat. You are against slavery. Well, the Confederates are here now and we're arresting you. And so the Confederates are arresting all these pro-Union uh, politicians. So in a bold move, John C. Breckinridge was all, you know what? Uh, I know I'm a senator for the United States, but 
Fuck it. My dad owns slaves. I own slaves. Fuck it. I'm defecting. I'm a fucking Confederate now. Okay. And he ran off to join the Confederate Army. The United States government expelled him from the Senate, and he was made a major general for the Confederacy and fought in a number of battles that all sound fake, including the Battle of Jackson, the Battle of Chickamauga, the Battle of Bull's Gap, and the Battle of Cool Spring. I didn't even make any of those up. Uh, Whatever. Eventually, Jefferson Davis made our boy John C. Breckinridge the Secretary of War for the entire Confederacy. And the only thing that he did good was... He saw the writing on the wall. He saw the Confederates were going to lose. And he said, and people are like, oh, shit, we're going to lose. And the North is going to take over. Let's start burning everything. And as Secretary of War, John C. Breckinridge said, no, you're not bur- you're not getting rid of any of these documents. This is an historic moment in America, and I'm going to make sure that all of the papers and all of the writings and all of the plans for the Confederate side remain intact. It's the one good thing he did as a Confederate. Um, then the Civil War ended in 1865, and John C. Breckinridge was arrested and served his time like a hero just kidding he fled to england okay uh and here's 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 a a funny part that i found in the story he fled to england but his wife and kids fled to canada how much you want to bet that John C. Breckinridge was all, we must flee. The war is ending and the Union is arresting all of us Confederates. We need to flee the country, dear wife. But where shall we go? Let me tell you my plan. You take the kids and go up north to Canada country. You will be safe there. You will be joining us, right, husband? No, I cannot do that. For if I am with you, then they will arrest you as well as me. No, I will distract them by heading to England. There I will hide from the Union soldiers. And while they look for me, you will be clear to make your escape to the north. Go, honey, go, before I change my mind. Oh, darling husband, you are so brave. Yes, I know. Now go, before I change my mind. And remember, I love you, honey. Is she gone? Fuck yeah! What's up, London? <laughs> some absence and some fucking bitches! How much you want to bet that's what happened. He stayed in England for like a year. And then eventually he's like, okay, I'm pretty hungover. I'm going to go with, to my wife and kids. So he, 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 you know, jumped the ocean from Great Britain over to Canada to be with his wife and kids. But he stayed away from America. He, he lived away from the United States for over three years, fearing his arrest. Then President Andrew Johnson offered amnesty to all former Confederates in 1868, and John C. Breckinridge returned to America. And some people said, hey, 
John C. Breckinridge, we remember you. You were in the Mexican-American War. You were in the Confederacy. And uh, I, I know the Confederacy is unpopular right now, but this is Kentucky. And, and you're still famous, and you should run for office again. Do you want to run for office again? And John C. Breckinridge was basically, no, I think now I'm just going to uh, focus primarily on my war wounds, which are killing me. That will really be my focus. I love to work on politics, but also I was in like 80 civil war battles and most of me is broken. <laughs> so, so in 1875, he died and his final words on his deathbed were, America sees me as n- nigh but a cowardly traitor, tarnishing the Breckenridge name. But my darling wife, my only hope is that one day a distant relative of mine will star as an alien in a B-movie and his amazing performance will once again bring honor and glory to the Beckenridge name. Well, mission accomplished, you traitor! Because the youngest vice president in American history who also... Uh, became traitorous scum and worked for the Confederate Army was the great-grandfather of the gay drag queen who starred in Plan 9 from Outer Space. Got some fascinating shit right there. Yes, yes it is. And I, know, and I know I say this every week, but I just want to say it again. I am surprised that more people don't know this story. It is amazing that people don't know the story of John C. Breckenridge and that he's related to Bonnie. <laughs> that is fascinating. I, I am blown away by this by this story. I absolutely love it. Anyway, that's it for Steve's historic approximations this week. Next week, join us for more educationally uneducational fun with Steve's historic approximations. Yes. Whoop. 